We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name's Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other side of the speaker. I appreciate you tuning in. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, and today we're going to talk about the 49ers' fourth straight win with 30 or more points as they beat the Cardinals 35 to 16 at Levi Stadium to become one of two teams in the NFL that are 4-0 along with the Philadelphia Eagles. They are one short of the regular season win record, now currently sitting at 14 in a row, the record being 15. So in order to tie that record, the 49ers are going to beat, need to beat, the now 3-1 Dallas Cowboys next week at Levi Stadium in a matchup that is going to feel like the freaking Super Bowl in that building. The energy is going to be through the roof. Cowboys fans travel well. At least I've seen them travel well at Levi's Stadium in the past. But as I say that, obviously the first thing that's going to pop up into everybody's mind is how well 49ers fans travel when they took over Dallas Stadium the past two or three years. So We'll see how that works out in terms of fan attendance, but I'm, I'm digressing. Um, it is October 1st, which we are now officially christening as Brocktober. Brock Purdy was absolutely stellar today. Sorry, I had something caught in my mouth. Um, we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, just a, I wouldn't say a dominant display from the 49ers, but it was still convincing. It was still... A a win that, I mean, at one point it was a five-point game, and it looked like the Cardinals had built up a decent amount of momentum. Now, if you listen to Striking Gold routinely, you know that in the last pod when we broke down the Cardinals matchup, uh, we kind of assumed that they were going to come with a little bit of fire. They had just beaten the Cowboys. They were coming with a little bit of momentum. It was a divisional matchup. The Cardinals seemed like they were kind of putting things together. 
And for the most part, they played like a team that were still that had put most things together. They didn't play bad. They didn't. They gave the 49ers a run for their money. Like I said, at the halftime, they executed a, a two-minute drill to perfection thanks to a couple blown plays by the 49ers. And at that point, it was a uh, it was a close game. So the 49ers didn't necessarily ever have the opportunity to take their foot off the gas. But uh, in terms of uh, – I, I, I haven't done this in the past. I've done it in writing. Uh, and those of you that have been on the pod for a while know – I've written for Niner Noise, uh, Niners Wire, and Niners Nation. And one of the things I always used to do the day after a game is create kind of like a studs and duds article. You know, winners and losers, uh, however you want to describe it. If you want to put a little prize picks twist on it, you can say more than, less than. Um, I've got my game notes. I've got the highlight plays on offense. I've got the highlight plays on defense. But there's really no way to go about talking about this game without leading off with Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I think the the best way that we can summarize Christian McCaffrey's impact on this team is when Kyle Shanahan was asked after the game by Tim Kawakami of The Athletic, you know, could you imagine what life would be like without Christian McCaffrey? And Kyle Shanahan's face went completely sour, and he says, don't ever say that. And he laughed afterwards but there was no part of Shanahan saying that that was a joke. McCaffrey has instantly become one of the absolute stalwarts of this offense, this organization. And I mean, he's already inserting himself into the 49ers history. He just broke Jerry Rice's record for consecutive touchdowns in a game. I think McCaffrey is now up to 13 and, or is he at 14 and rec- Jerry Riker's Jerry Rice's record was 13. I'm trying to figure that out right now. I I know I had it up here, um, but it it was absolutely a historic performance for McCaffrey. Um, Yeah. Okay, there it is. I'm just making sure I've got my stats right. McCaffrey has scored a touchdown in 13 consecutive games, breaking Jerry Rice's record. So, Obviously, when I say that McCaffrey has inserted himself into the history of this organization, who knows where the 49ers are going to go from here. Uh, They certainly look like one of, if not the best team in the NFL, but he's already kind of, um, you know, in terms of the 49ers in this organization's history, he's already put himself among the best players that have ever worn this uniform. Uh, Now, obviously, you have to do it consistently, but Christian McCaffrey has been doing it. He's just doing it at a much higher level with the 49ers. Uh, Today, McCaffrey carried the ball 20 times. No other player had more than three carries for 106 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. Um, He averaged 5.3 yards per carry. That's a first down every two plays. (laughs) It's pretty unbelievable. Um, One of those touchdowns uh, was considered a run. But in the reality, it was more of a pass. I mean, it was a it was a it was a pass to the right. It just happened to be about a half a yard behind Brock Purdy, which technically counts as like a toss, which is a run play. So he got three credit for three uh, running rushing touchdowns. When I mean, if if Purdy would have thrown that ball a half a second later, and he was kind of moving up the field rather than backwards, kind of still on the backside of his bubble, um, it would have been. Two passing touchdowns for Purdy, two receiving touchdowns for McCaffrey, and two rushing touchdowns for McCaffrey. But that split in Harris doesn't really matter. No, maybe if your fantasy matchup hinged upon that, it would. But 
in addition to his 106 yards on the ground, McCaffrey also had seven catches on eight targets for 71 yards and another touchdown in which he caught the ball kind of like on a Texas route over the middle and went heads up with the defender. And in a way, I mean, he didn't really truck him because I I think the defender was kind of moving at an angle, rolled over him and into the end zone. So he wasn't down as he was laying on top of the opponent. It was a, a fitting Thing. His other uh, touchdown, that the one that we were just talking about that could have been a pass, had it just been a little bit, about a half a yard further upfield, uh, caught the ball. It was well blocked. He hurdled the defender and then shot his way forward into the end zone. Um, I, I think that you're going you're gonna to hear this a lot this week, but it, it is not hyperbole at all to say that Christian McCaffrey has put himself in the conversation for offensive MVP or just... MVP of the league, period. I mean, you look at Christian McCaffrey's stats from this year so far. Uh, let me. I'm, I'm going to go back. This has too many of his stats. So far, through four games, Christian McCaffrey has 80 carries for 459 yards. So he's averaging about 115 yards per game on the ground. He's averaging 5.7 yards a carry, six touchdowns So through four games so far. He also has 18 catches for 141 yards and two touchdowns. I'm assuming that includes his stats from this game. At least ESPN has his his stats from this game on there. So just an unbelievable player. Uh, I mean, there's no way to say that any more succinctly. <laughs> it's he the level in which he has taken this offense, the heights to which he's taken this offense and what he's been able to do in Kyle Shanahan's system is just unbelievable. And uh, it's pretty insane to watch. Now the 49ers, like we've been talking about, are kind of in a spot where they're going to have to start throttling him back a little bit. There's no reason to not expect this 49ers team to be pushing deep into the postseason. And having a healthy Christian McCaffrey is what's going to win you games in that position. Now, On that same note, again, we're talking about one of the absolute best players in the NFL. The 49ers can't just sit him on the sideline. You know, they can't do that until games are in the bag. Otherwise, you're sacrificing wins. You're sacrificing playoff positioning. You're sacrificing home field advantage. You guys get it. So Kyle Shanahan's going to need to write a fine line on how much usage is too much usage for Christian McCaffrey. But right now, he seems like he's taking it like a champ. Um, He's popping right up after every play, and obviously, which is what you want to see. But y'all know you always watch for that every time. You you hold your breath for just a little bit, as does the entire world of 49ers football. But uh, truly a remarkable effort. Four touchdowns. It should have been five touchdowns. The 49ers drew, uh, namely Brandon Ayuk, drew a pass interference penalty. Uh, in the end zone, which puts them put them on the one yard line, they handed it to Yuschek, who dove forward and was about three centimeters short of the end zone. And on the very next play, Brock Purdy, in what per Brandon Ayuk sounds like what was supposed to be a a run play to McCaffrey, which would have undoubtedly been his fifth touchdown, was instead checked into a quarterback sneak, and Purdy easily got it. So. Uh, I, I'm wholeheartedly looking forward to the Brock Purdy is a selfish, selfish son of a bitch um, narratives that are going to come on this week because uh, Brandon Ayuk made it clear that 
after the game that he checked into that quarterback run and it should have been McCaffrey's fifth touchdown. So uh, that makes Purdy the selfish one, not not McCaffrey for wanting five of them. I mean, I'm just kidding. McCaffrey didn't seem like he cared in the slightest whether or not he got that fifth. So just making fun of the situation, a pretty dominant performance from the 49ers offense. And maybe you have felt like this. Maybe you felt like this already. Maybe you felt like this already this season, but this was the first game in which it seemed like the 49ers offense was propping up the 49ers defense to get it a little bit. Now the 49ers defense did not have a bad game. But when you look at the possessions of the 49ers, starting from the beginning of the game, touchdown, 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 end of half, punt, touchdown, touchdown, game's over. They scored in essentially every drive except for the one in which they kneeled out the half, they kneeled out the game, and the opening drive in the third quarter, which is very impressive. Now on the inverse for the Cardinals, they went punt, punt, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, punt, down. So there was a, a portion of that game where the 49ers defense looked dominant. And then from then on out, every drive for the Cardinals was more than 10 plays. First drive of the game for the Cardinals. I mean, we'll get into the defense. I just hope I remember to get back to that because essentially the Cardinals' first drive was three plays. Then they had seven plays. And then from then on out, it went 13, 13, 11, 10, 11. So a little bit of concern for the defense. Uh, we'll talk about that later. And then the next person you got to talk about for your, our studs of the game is uh, Brock Purdy himself. Just an outstanding game for Purdy. He was one third down throw away from having a perfect game. He ended up completing 20 of 21 passes, for which is 95.2%, 283 yards, 13.5 yards per attempt, for comparison's sake, Josh Dobbs' yards per attempt was 6.5. One touchdown through the air, one touchdown on the ground, no turnovers, and a flirting with perfect, getting up there, 134.6 rating. I believe perfect is 153.something. So just an awesome game for Purdy, who looked in total control throughout the entire game. At this point, I don't really know... I don't really know what the NFL world wants to see from Purdy in order to classify him as just a great quarterback. I think everybody's still living in the world that he's a seventh round draft pick. And this just doesn't really make sense. And this just doesn't really happen. And I think for the most part, the people that think that have their right to an extent, like seventh round quarterbacks being great just doesn't really happen. It's, it's incredibly rare. I don't even know. I mean, Brock Purdy was the first Mr. Irrelevant to complete a pass. So if you want to be very specific and narrow it down to just Mr. Irrelevance, then what Brock Purdy is doing is unprecedented. But a seventh-round quarterback, how often has a seventh-round quarterback been great? I don't know. I, I mean, we can we can go down that road in the future. But it's clear that what Purdy is doing is just fairly <laughs> unheard of. And I think everybody's still living in that realm of like, okay, at some point he's going to come crashing down to earth. And so I just don't want to get too worked up over. Him. Uh, and I think it's about time to start getting just a little worked up over him. He's got a big sample size. Now defense has tape. He's played against good teams. Now. I mean, if, 
you're the thing is, is I could say, oh, well, the Cowboys are next week. So that's when we'll really find out about Purdy. Well, the dude's already played in playoff games. He's already won playoff games, one of which was against the Cowboys and the other against the Seahawks. And you can't just keep moving the goalposts on when you're officially going to declare Purdy good, whether he has a bad game the next game or not, because bad games happen for every team and every quarterback. So pretty impressive. Obviously, everybody's going to be watching the 49ers game against the Cowboys next week. I believe it's on Sunday night, so which I also believe is the most watched game of the week of all the NFL games. So Purdy against uh, the Cardinals was just surgical. He hit Ayuk on – he targeted him six times and hit him on six plays, three of which were deep shots down the middle of the field, one of which was an absolute seed about 30 to 40 yards down the field. I want to say the actual play went for 42. 42 yards and at first glance and I don't blame um I don't blame what was butt fumble quarterback <laughs> I just drawing a blank don't really care I don't blame him for initially thinking the ball was overthrown because at the angle in which the telecast was showing it and he was probably looking at it Purdy's pass looked underthrown but you can watch the trajectory of Purdy's pass and know that it wasn't for lack of power one, it was only about a 42-yard, 40 to 42-yard throw, maybe maybe less, 38. But what Purdy was doing is he was throwing it on a rope because he saw the corner, the backside corner, closing on the route, and he saw the safety covering Ayuk over the top, kind of just along his left shoulder. So what Purdy did was he threw more of a direct pass, basically to Brandon Ayuk's outside shoulder or, or where he was running to, almost pulling him a little flatter. Um, and that avoided both the safety and the corner. It was a perfect pass. And it, it was one of those ones that was placed exactly where it had to be placed in order to complete it. So if you get a chance, the highlights from this game are already on YouTube. Go back and watch that pass and just look at where he throws it. And what he's doing is he's pulling Ayuk away from the defenders. It wasn't underthrown. It, it just based on the coverage, there was no way he could lead him downfield and, and him still score. Basically, what he did is he took the shot that was available to him, put the ball where it had to be put, and it was just a very, very, very impressive play. He also had another great throw to Ayuk down the left sideline, back shoulder, saw the corner, was was even with Ayuk, but basically what they've said is, look, this route can be a go, but the, if the corner is with you, if he's on your hip, then just break it down and we'll make it a back shoulder, you know, kind of fade, or excuse me, a, a curl towards the sideline, and that's what they did. Boom, put it right on him. Ayuk made a last-second adjustment and made the catch. And those are the types of catches when Crocker was on here that he mentioned. I was already of the opinion that that Brandon Ayuk is a top 10 receiver, right around the 8 to 10 margin. Uh, I think that's fair. I think he's very underrated. I think he would be putting up Justin Jefferson-like numbers in an offense that featured him like Justin Jefferson is featured on the Vikings, but that's, I digress. It's not really the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is Crocker mentioned, you know, now Ayuk to really truly rise up in that top tier needs to start making the catches that no other receiver can make. And that back shoulder catch adjusting to a ball that was a little low whipping around at the last second, bringing it in is to me, those types of catches. And, um, you can see right away. And you guys have heard me rail on and on about this on striking gold is, I think Brandon Ayuk is the third most important player to this offense. I guess I could say skill player. 
because Trent Williams is is up there somewhere. But you've got Brock Purdy, you've got Christian McCaffrey, and then I think Brandon Ayuk is next. And then somewhere after that comes George Kittle and Debo Samuel. Now, we just saw the value of Debo Samuel last week. There's no denying that. And there's certainly no competition between the two to, to prove their value. There might be in the future when it comes to salary cap, but you saw just how much this offense opened up with Brandon Ayuk back into the fold. He is a master in that 10 to 30 yard range. And he just gives this 49ers offense so much more space than, than it needs. And you saw, I mean, think to the last game against the Giants without Ayuk and Debo Samuel just rose up and took that game over. But think about what it looked like. Every Debo Samuel taking that game over, one got him injured. You know, he was more of a decoy this game. He was there, but he was more of a decoy, still kind of recovering from a rib injury. But think about the yards Debo had to gain and how difficult they were and how brutal they were in typical Debo fashion. You know, wouldn't want it any other way, breaking eight tackles and creating 40-yard gains. But is that sustainable? Maybe not. And Brandon Ayuk adds a level of potency to this offense that just no other player can replicate right now. Um, When it comes to Kittle, Debo, McCaffrey, they're all – very high caliber players in that minus five to like 10 yard range. You know, Debo can certainly get open beyond that. So can McCaffrey. I mean, McCaffrey's caught in fade balls too, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, Ayuk just certainly pulls the, the, the depths of this offense just a little bit deeper than, uh, than any other player. So it didn't surprise me at all that this offense just looked a little bit more game with Ayuk back in the fold. Um, uh, I guess that's my three studs for now. I mean, I don't want to necessarily leave anybody off. I've, I've got Ayuk, I've got McCaffrey, I've got Purdy. Um, after that, it, it, Debo Samuel was kept off the stat sheet, but I don't think the 49ers had a problem with that. Uh, they kept him active for the game, but he really only got one carry. He actually got three carries um, for six yards. So just, he was there, but the 49ers were very content on not utilizing him in the game and allowing him to recover basically like a Scotty Pippen, just to decoy while Michael Jordan did his thing. And whoever you want to call Michael Jordan on this team, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, but those were your three star players on offense. And I'm not undervaluing, you know, the Kyle use that are out there lead blocking their ass off the George Kittles. I do think that there needs to be almost a weekly hat tip to George Kittle because in every successful play and in every highlight on this team, you can almost always find him blocking somebody. And it's a little, not disheartening, that has a negative sense, but you're almost your heart breaks for Kittle in the fact that he doesn't get to be featured in this offense like he used to be, and he doesn't get to break tight end records. But maybe I think he would. he's okay with that. I, I, I just think he probably knows that Catching the ball that many times is one, not necessarily doable for how long he's been in the league now. And two, it was only a necessity based on the fact that the 49ers really didn't have any other playmakers at the time. And now they've got an an overwhelming amount of them. So I really just based on Kittle's attitude and his demeanor, I don't think he would have any problem knowing that he's maybe only going to get one or two catches a game. Now, 
obviously somebody as prideful as him and as and as dedicated as him, you know, you want to know that you put your best foot forward and impacted the team, but he's just got to know that that's that's they don't have to have that, you know. And but if somebody goes down, like a, like an Ayuk last week or or Debo at some point, you know, knock on whatever you want to knock on. If I'm if I'm giving you bad vibes, but the 49ers will take solace in knowing that Kittle is still in the fold and they just don't need to use him like that right now, which is a good thing. I think some duds from the game, Ambry Thomas, cornerback, Ambry Thomas. It, I don't have any official numbers, but it seemed like he at least gave up six, seven receptions, two or three of them on third down, two of them, uh, deep passes on, uh, the Cardinals two minute drill at the end of the half. That wasn't a two minute drill. It was a normal drive. Um, but I was just saying, man, he was in great. He was great in coverage on that route. And then boom, the next play, he gives up the deep shot, uh, that moves the, the Cardinals into scoring position. And the very next play, he gives up another, it, it was more of a coverage bust. I don't know if it was on Ambry Thomas or if it was on Talanoa Hufunga. It could have been covered too, where Hufunga was supposed to be up top. Um, but, Wilson basically ran right by Ambry Thomas, who covered the route in the flat along with Greenlaw and let the, the receiver run right by him. So I'm assuming it was on Thomas, but there could be some type of coverage there that that the safety was a little late over the top. I'm not sure. It uh, doesn't really matter. Didn't have a great game. Um, I believe the 49ers started shuffling with their cornerbacks in the second half. I'd have to go back and confirm that, but I I, I my intuition tells me I saw a lot less of Amory Thomas uh, in the second half than I did in the first. Uh, another one for me is is the defensive line. Uh, and it's not that they necessarily had a bad game, but if you look at the Cardinals' offensive production, they had 25 carries for 105 yards. They averaged 4.2 yards a carry, which is more than enough. Um that that's not a, a great game on the ground, but it's it's solid. Anything over three and a half yards per carry is getting the job done, if you ask me. Like, if you think about mathematically how that adds up, anything over four, you're doing well. Um, I mean, the forty nine. Technically, the Cardinals were better on the ground per carry than the Forty ers were. The Forty ers averaged four yards a carry. Um, I mean, that's you know, you saw what Christian McCaffrey did, but everybody else added onto that four yards a carry, and so. And you add that to their lack of a pass rush. I mean, the Cardinals defensive line put up almost an equal stat number to the 49ers defensive line. The only player with a sack was Javon Hargrave. Um, and then they had, he also had another quarterback hit. Eric Armstead had a quarterback hit. Uh, Nick Bosa, you know, it didn't get on the sack column, but had four quarterback hits. Uh, we'll see, you know, we'll take a more in-depth look at that maybe later this week. Um, when pro football focus and, and those likes get their numbers out. But for a defensive line that features Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa, uh, you know, Javon Kinlaw looked like he was coming on strong. Uh, it really feels like, you know, and after a three sack game to open the season for Drake Jackson, it really feels like this unit is underperforming. Um, and I'm not saying they're bad. They're obviously part of a defensive unit that is still playing very well. I think their points per game allowed is like the best in the NFL along with the yards per game allowed. But I just think that it's fair to hold them to a higher standard than what they are currently performing at. I mean, I believe does does Nick Bosa have one sack? Is is that where he's at through four games? That's that's not exactly the pace 
that you know and, and he did have the holdout that is a distraction you're not in the building you're not working with the team um but that's just part of the the drill yeah nick nick posa as of right now through four games has four tackles and one sack and i'm not going to overreact he could easily start stacking them up you know multiples per games but that's on pace for four sacks on the season now that's that's not great now that doesn't mean He's not having an impact. I, again, tried to watch Bosa on a few plays and saw him just getting chipped and double teamed and triple teamed. And so he's having an impact, but whatever impact Bosa is having, the rest of the defensive line is not necessarily capitalizing on. I do think the Cardinals have a relatively strong offensive line. If I'm not mistaken, I'm not an offensive line guy, but it certainly doesn't seem like the 49ers defensive front is really living up to kind of what we expected to do. Uh, my last little dud, and I don't even really know if it was a true dud, um, but I put Colton McKivitz on there. One clip for everybody to see where Kyle Juszczyk chipped. I've got it right here. Um, I don't remember his first name. Gardek is his last name. Long flowing hair. Kyle Juszczyk ch- chipped him, and then he still got a free run at Colton uh, McKivitz, who he then, I think he spun move right past him and uh, sacked and got the only sack on Brock Purdy for the entire game. And I mean, an offensive lineman, they allow pressures uh, at a, you know, they allow pressures. We'll just say that. But to allow a sack is is, is different, you know, and, and the 49ers don't want Brock Purdy getting hit. I mean, Every hit he takes is going, every hit he, just like, could easily be a song, um, be that song. Y'all know what I'm talking about. They don't want Brock Purdy taking a hits. Colton McKivitz gave up uh, the one hit that mattered there, got Brock Purdy sacked uh, and uh, and put an end to that drive. And uh, it's just not a good look for an offensive lineman. It's not a good look for an offensive lineman who's stepping in for Mike McGlinchey. Not that necessarily Mike McGlinchey would have prevented that sack, but um, in offensive linemen just never want to get mentioned on a broadcast, and Colton McKivitz was front and center for that sack. Even after Kyle Juszczyk chipped the guy for McKivitz, he just kind of dropped into pass pro, left plenty of distance for the pass rusher to regain his speed between Juszczyk and McKivitz, and just looked like he got beaten pretty easily. And that's not necessarily getting beaten by a, you know, a star within the NFL pass rushing community. That's getting beaten by a dude named Gardek. So, I mean, no disrespect intended. I just... I don't know. Um, let's see. What's weird? We talked about this last week. We knew that uh, we thought the 14-point spread was a little optimistic for a divisional game against the Cardinals team that seemed like they were game. And Vegas, once again, knows what they're doing. The 49ers beat the Cardinals by 19 points. So they they you know they cover the spread well ahead of the spread. Uh, nothing weird happened. No last second field goals to, uh, to drastically alter the Las Vegas landscape. But speaking of the spread, let's get a quick, quick recap on my prize picks. Lack. I'm going to say lack of success. You know, it's sad. It's, oh, it is what it is, but I'm, I'm going to keep at it because I'm going to turn this around for you guys. Just like Steph Curry tweeted all that time ago. So let's go to my entries, my past entries, my failures. So what I did this week, for those of you that didn't know, I went a four-pick power play, meaning I have to hit on all four of those picks. Um, I did not. I did not even hit. I only hit on one of them. Uh, I took the the more than Christian McCaffrey, 113 rush plus receiving yards. He had 144. 
I took Matt Prater to get more than four and a half kicking points. He did not. He only got four. Um, I picked Jake Moody to get more than one and a half field goals made. So two field goals. And he did not make one. Um, He was just an extra point guy. Uh, He wouldn't have. The other one was like a seven and a half field goal kicking points. He wouldn't have got that either. And then I picked Purdy to throw for less than 225 passing yards. He went over that by 30 yards, passing for 255. I just thought it was going to be more of a slugfest, more of a run the ball. And the 49ers still did run the ball, but it was incredibly balanced. And Purdy still did plenty of, of stuff through the air. So um, even if I would have done a flex play where I only needed three of the four options, I still wouldn't have won. So your boy went for his first, his first power play of the season and dropped it. And uh, I, I apologize. I apologize for that. Um, uh, but hey, we're going to bounce back. We're going to recover. Hopefully I don't bail out of all power plays from here on out. Because again, I, even if I would have done flex, I, I wouldn't have succeeded. But that is not going to dissuade me. Again, prizepicks.com. If you don't know what prize picks is, prize picks is daily fantasy sports. It's you against the numbers. Um, instead of battling thousands of other players, pros, sharks, all you're doing is you're picking a player. You're selecting more or less. And on two to six different players, and you're watching the winnings roll in. Um, I like to play prize picks because it's very simple, and it's very easy, and it's very quick. You can make your picks in like less than a minute if you kind of know what you're looking for. If you want to get up on the prize picks action with me, uh, don't hesitate because there's a very good chance that you can have much more success than I am. I'm just I'm in a slump, okay? I'm in a baseball slump. But if you want to join up. Go to pricepicks.com slash gold, as in striking gold, and then use the promo code gold, as in striking gold, for the first deposit match of up to 100 bucks. So that means whatever deposit you put in, they're going to match it up to 100 bucks. Okay? Um, it's daily fantasy sports made easy, made really easy. And I would uh, I would encourage you to play along. I'm having a great time with it. I mean that. I'm not just trying to sell you. Um, I've never been involved in the daily fantasy sports world. You know, the pickums, the, uh, the wagers and all that, uh, you know, all that fun. I've always watched people doing it and going, huh, that looks easy enough. Uh, and this is easy enough. So I, I, I highly encourage you to, uh, to jump on board. And if you have any prize picks success, send me your results and we will, I'll shout you out on the pod. We'll talk about it. But again, it's prizepicks.com slash gold and use promo code gold. And you're going to get a deposit match of up to a hundred bucks. First deposit match. So, uh, as for today, as for this week, my prize picks, uh, uh, entries were not a success, but that is not going to dissuade me from continuing to drive on and push forward. And with that being said, it is time to get into your, your, your takeaways. Uh, I didn't have enough air in my lungs to continue the echoes. Um, and let me pull them up. I am on the tweeters. Um, but before we get there, for, per next gen stacks, Brock Purdy's completion percentage over expected today against the Cardinals, twenty eight percent, is the highest mark by a quarterback with at least twenty pass attempts in a game over the last seven plus seasons. Purdy's previous career high was five point one percent, so Purdy went from a five percent completion percentage over expectation to twenty eight percent. Um, I don't understand the necessarily the gravity of that situation, uh, you know, and how CPOE like works to that extent, but pretty damn impressive 
Um, Brand, Brandon Ayuk ended up six catches on six targets for 148 yards. Brandon Ayuk averaged 24.7 yards per catch. That's nuts. And after the game, Talanu Hufunga and Cardinals running back James Conner got in a fight. I don't know uh, why Conner was so upset. I don't know who instigated it. Conner threw like a little throat shot. Um, and then George Kittle got in between it and uh, and, settled, and settled him down. I, I don't know what it was about, but it, it was silly. I'm assuming Conner was pissed over how much chirping Hufanga was doing on the field. Uh, who gives a shit? Uh, don't lose if you don't want to be pissed off. Uh, or like we said, like we established in the Giants pod, don't be a bitch about it. Okay? Take away time. Let the, the prize pits. Yeah, that's what it was. The prize picks post-game takeaway time, right? Is that what is that we're going with? I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't quite get there. We'll get it. Hashtag striking gold fam. All right. I'm going to the bottom. We're going to start out with Robert, Kevin, Trevor, Louder, the fourth. I had to really slow down on my Roman numerals there. That's sad for a dude that is having a son that's going to be the sixth. Uh, Yet another satisfying dismantling of an inferior opponent by a team that appears to be a cut above the competition. On to the Cowboys and more of the same. Bang, bang, and all that. Hey, I love it. Let's, Let's fire it up from the first takeaway. Um, yeah, we'll see what the 49ers do against the Cowboys. That is going to be uh, quite the uh, quite the stamp if they can make the Cowboys look how they made the Cardinals look, especially given the fact that the Cardinals went out and punched the Cowboys in the mouth. Now, football math does not work. Just because the Cardinals beat the Cowboys and the 49ers beat the Cardinals did not mean the Cardinals 49ers are going to beat the Cowboys twice as bad as they beat the Cardinals. But that's what we call football math. But, it, it, I mean, it is something. Uh, Clay writes, the league fucked up giving CMC to Kyle Shanahan. We're winning it all this year. Uh, That's true. I mean, the moment the league knew that the Panthers were kind of selling out after firing their head coach, um, they shouldn't have allowed the 49ers to win that bidding competition. I can't remember what other teams were in that offhand, uh, what other teams were in that competition. But yeah, Um, anybody that ever thought the 49ers uh, gave up too much for CMC or it just doesn't work. The dude completely changed an offense that was already great and made it elite. Again, the 49ers have scored 30 plus in their first four games of the season for the first time. I can't remember. Is it ever? I don't, I don't know. Um, Quinn vote Brock, the rot goat hashtag bot Purdy. Are you calling Purdy a bot? Hey, in the gaming world, that's grounds for a, for a fight. So, um, I mean, whatever. It's cool. I mean, he could be a robot. He could be a badass robot. Some robots are badass. Keyboard sparring partner Aaron, 23 OMVP. So, okay. So Aaron is limiting his expectations for Purdy, or excuse me, for Christian McCaffrey to offensive MVP. Uh, he clearly doesn't believe that McCaffrey is worthy of overall league MVP. So everybody write that down uh, at Aaron is real 69. Uh, I mean, just. Really, really, really a, a dangerous slight towards Christian McCaffrey and his MVP chances. I'm totally kidding. Michael McVay, CMC played his ass off. So did the whole offense. Hopefully defense can clean up those long drives they allowed. Happy to be 4-0. Yeah, to Michael McVay's point, one of the drives that the defense gave up was at the start of the second half after the Cardinals were pinned on their one-yard line. So how do the 49ers respond? They allowed a 11-play, 99-yard drive 
um, that took up six minutes and 25 seconds. So that definitely is something that the the 49ers are not going to be resting on their laurels after this game. It wasn't a flawless game by them. Even when Fred Warner came to the podium, you could tell he just looked a little pissed off by how they played. So I think that, uh, which might be a good thing in terms of what this 49ers defense is going to need against a Cowboys offense that just dropped 38 against the Patriots. I believe the Patriots of which are a solid defensive team. Uh, I know they had a couple defensive touchdowns, but there's no way that, you know, that putting 38 on the Patriots is not impressive to some measure. The Jets are in a game with the Chiefs, 12 to 20. Interesting. Interesting. I just saw that on air. All right, let's keep going. We're still in the takeaway. Sorry if that was a little loud. I apologize. Um, Slider78 says why 78. Halloween was made in 1978. Oh, and I got to tell you a Halloween story. I'll get to that. Why does it seem like the defense isn't playing well enough, even though they only gave up 16? I agree with that. I feel like the defense, this, the players that are on this defense and the star power on this defense and the offenses they're going up against, I think 16 is a bit much for this team. You All you got to do is watch the game and know that 16 felt like a bit much, especially given the situations that they gave up these points under. You know, to close out the half, when you know what is going to kind of be coming at you with a little deeper plays, getting beat on multiple deep plays, Ambry Thomas, in a situation where you know they kind of have to go deep because they're running out of uh, running out of time. I'm seeing that AEW wrestling dream is is, tw- is trending on X. Um, there could be a, an interesting debut on AEW tonight. Strong rumors of a of a. A long-time WWE veteran. So uh, if wrestling's your thing, check it out. So I agree with Slider in the fact that, and I think that even Fred Warner's reaction made it clear that the defense isn't quite playing how they feel they should be playing. Uh, Darren says, big note on this one, no turnover caused by the defense. This was Brock Purdy and the offense with sustained drives putting the game away. I agree with that. I think that this game was kind of, made impossible for the Cardinals by the offense. Now, the defense still came through from time to time, but there was that stretch where the Cardinals seemed like they were kind of just doing whatever they wanted to do. So this was one of those rare 49ers wins where it seems like the offense did what it had to do to outpace the defense and put together long drives. Uh, The time of possession was pretty equal between the two teams, between the 49ers and the Cardinals. They both split 30 minutes pretty evenly. So, you know, it it seems like the 49ers offense was able to do a lot more with that possession than the Cardinals were. But then again, saying that, does that not, it's not on a hat tip towards the defense, but I do think the 49ers offense was the better unit today. Uh, So I get what you're saying. Sograz says, this feels like the year it's finally switched and the 49ers are going where the offense takes them, not the defense. Hey, perfectly timed takeaway based on what we were just saying. The defense is getting a ton of pressure, but they have to start finishing closer to the bottom than top of the league in sacks. This can catch up to them. Absolutely. The moment you you find, uh, the moment you go up against better teams, those pressures uh, result in, the pressures and not sacks result in big plays. And we saw that start to happen against the Cardinals, that they were getting pressure, but in the face of those pressure, the Cardinals were making big plays. So let's see here. In terms of sacks, 
The 49ers are in the bottom third of the NFL. They have nine sacks. The leader in the NFL is the Chargers with 16 sacks. The Bills with 16 sacks. The Ravens with 15. Even the Cowboys have 14. And the 49ers are uh, 32, 31, 30, 29, 28, 27, 26, 25, 24, 23, 22nd in the league with nine sacks. And given the studs on this defensive front, I just don't think that should be the case, and they that should be an emphasis for Steve Wilkes is finding a way for those guys to get home. I think Sograz hit the nail on the head. If you're going to be critical, critical of this game and you're going to be critical of one position group, I think it's got to be the defensive front. David Soto says McCaffrey and Ayuk are beasts, and the defense settled in after the half. Bring on them, boys. So, I mean, did they did they settle in after the half? Am I being too harsh on them? Let's go. Let's go back to possessions. So after the half. The Cardinals scored one touchdown, and then they punted. That I mean, after the half was the 99-yard touchdown drive. But then they punted, and then they turned over on downs. So that just shows kind of a team effort between the 49ers shutting down the – even the, that last drive. Turnover on downs, you had Zach Ertz dropping what should have been uh, a surefire touchdown. Not that it would have made a difference in the game – but that would have been what looked like another touchdown drive. Now, that's kind of like garbage time points, but that to me telling me that that the Cardinals offense only got three drives, two of which were successful, um, gives you a, a balance between the offense dominating the second half time of possession and the defense stopping them when they needed to. So I, I think that's fair. You can you could say the defense settled in, in in the second half, but I think it would still, especially when it comes to that 99-yard drive, I think the expectations should still be a little higher. Um, Bolo says the cards are super frisky. Give that coaching staff better players, and they are going to be a problem. I agree with that, and I kind of agreed with that last week. I mean, that's easy for me to agree. Not last week, but earlier this week when they're coming off a win over the Cowboys. Uh, I'm not a, you know, a savant, but it's, you know, it, it feels like the cards, like we said earlier are trending in the right direction, uh, which is a surprise. I felt like they'd be bad, and they're about to give get Kyler Murray back. I think he's officially allowed to return next week, but it might be more time than that. But it, it's not all bad for the Cardinals, and I think they're still game. They're still down. They could still win games. Uh, we'll see where they go with that. Um, Dirty Rooster, the old Dirty Rooster. Didn't like the mid-game lull, but they got it going again, Brock Sam. I think that's probably the best way to describe it. There was a mid-game lull. And if you look at the Cardinals' possessions, it was punt, punt, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, punt down. So it was it really was a mid-game lull in the second and third quarter. And then the 49ers kind of started and ended how they needed to. So I think that's I think that's a good way to put it. Um Scott said Purdy stat line. Well I mean we've already gone over it, but let's it, Scott put it in here. Let's hit it again. Purdy stat line 20 of 21, 95%, 283 yards, 13.4 yards per attempt. Two total touchdowns, zero interceptions, 134.6 rating. QBR still best in the NFL and only grew today. Let me, I mean, I want to look at, isn't that ESPN's? ESPN QBR ratings. I'm not trying to like call you out. I just am surprised to hear that. Let me see. Brock Purdy's at the top with an 84.5 QBR. The next person behind that is 79. Now, ESPN's usually pretty quick with their stats. So, Maybe this includes today. Does it say out of how many games? It doesn't. Um, but yeah, Brock Purdy is leading the NFL in quarterback rating, and uh, you know you're, he's 
He's up there with Tua, Josh, Patrick, Gino. Yeah, Gino's still up there. Herbert. So there's a lot of great quarterback play going on at the top of that list. So, and I don't, you know what? I want to say this really quick. I don't give a, sh- you can call Brock Purdy a system quarterback if you want to, as if that's some sort of an insult. Um, all of those quarterbacks are in great systems. Patrick Mahomes is in the Andy Reid system. Fantastic. Josh Allen is in a fantastic offense. I don't necessarily know who in that building is responsible for it, but it's obviously a good offense. Tua is in an offense very similar to what the 49ers are doing. Uh, you know, it's, they're all system quarterbacks. It's a quarterback in a system. Is it a good system? Is it a bad system? Oh, we don't know. We don't have the minds to tell you that. But it's good porter quarterbacks in good systems means wins. Like it, it really is not that complicated. Nobody called it. I mean, nobody in the in the takeaways called him that. I was just like, I just thought of it. I was like, looking at these quarterbacks. I was like, cool. The good quarterbacks are on top. Real, real detective work needed. Milo says, I don't really want to complain at all. But I only wish maybe Kyle can give CMC a bit more of a rest when we have it in hand. Other than that, how enjoyable is this? I agree with that. I think that there was probably, I don't know, maybe a drive or two where CMC could have probably gotten maybe two or three less carries, one or two less carries. But again, he just, he creates plays, man. It's so hard to put that person on the bench when, and you know, another thing too, is I, I'm assuming that a lot of what Kyle Shanahan wants to do is give Christian McCaffrey breaks on the field, send him on little bubble routes and, and routes into the flat where you know he's really not the first read. And even Kyle Shanahan said after the game that on a few of those CMC catches, he was like the third or fourth read. You can watch Purdy go through one, two, three reads, and it still gets to McCaffrey. So you want him on the field because he drastically chance, transforms how the defense has to play it. But at the same time, we've already talked about it. Milo's talking about it. He has to be healthy in the playoffs. If the 49ers want to win the Super Bowl, CMC has to be healthy in the playoffs. It's just that's just the way it is. John in SoCal. What did they see in the Niners? What do you what do you what did they see? Is what he says. But what do they see in the Niners quarterbacks currently on the roster? How can they improve the position? Right now, it is a it is a competition through and through. You've got Isaiah Oliver, who's kind of bouncing around mostly in the slot, I believe. You've got Amory Thomas, who's going through some struggles on the outside, but he's gone through struggles before, um, and he kind of rose to the occasion. Uh, you know, a couple years ago, ceiling. You know, he really did play well, and he had that game ceiling interception against the Rams. Now, obviously, you can't cling to that and, and expect him to play like that all the time, but. He has shown resiliency, so we'll see where CMC or where CMC, where Amory Thomas goes from here. You've got Charvarius Ward on the opposite side, who seems to be holding it down. Uh, had a great pass breakup today that was wrongfully flagged for pass interference, and then you've got Diamondor Lenore, who's firmly in that competition. On their active roster, the 49ers have one, two, three, four, five corners right now. Now maybe there's one hidden in like the DB section, but I mean that is not a big group. And outside of Charvarius Ward, nobody's proven there. Uh, Diamondor Lenore got some action last season, started to look solid. You know, him and Amory Thomas were drafted in the same draft class, and they're kind of in a competition to be the guy opposite Charvarius Ward. One of the comments I got on Twitter, um, I'm going to try and read it exactly how he said it, was, imagine having a second DB on this team. 
And what he means is imagine having a solid corner opposite Charverius Ward. And maybe Diamador Lenore is solid. Maybe Amory Thomas is solid and they just had a rough game or, or he just had a rough game. But, I mean, think about that. Do the 49ers, with their cap space that they have, make make a run at, a, at another corner and just try and say, we're going for this? You know, do they... Do they go after Patrick Sertain on the Broncos because the Broncos are a dumpster fire right now um, and they, they may start selling their assets? Do they? Is that their move this season to, to get another immediate starter and solid corner opposite Charverius Ward and then just ride into the postseason? You know, with with because, again, like he said, I wish I would have written down the name that said that. I apologize, but. Imagine having a second DB on this team. It would be a very hard defense and even a harder defense to go against. So uh, I think that's an important question, John. What do I see in the Niners quarterbacks? How can they improve? You just got to let this competition unfold. Um, I would allow multiple players to get reps at that outside spot. Maybe they consider the nickel spot more important, but uh, it's, it's definitely come to a point where nobody has that job opposite Ward really solidified. So, We'll see if a favorite emerges over the next few weeks, and hopefully it doesn't cost the 49ers a game. Um, Sports Mike, not to be confused with Date Mike. I think I said that last time. My bad. Or Prison Mike. Purdy, good. Yes, he is. Ayuk wide receiver one and a top 10 receiver, question mark? I believe so. Uh, I could do that exercise with, you know, top NFL. Let's do it right now. Fuck it. Top NFL. Sorry for the language. Top NFL receivers. Uh, these are just the ones that pop up on Google. Um, okay. I'm just going to start. I'm not going to go on this too long, but is, is, is Christian McCaffrey better than is essentially what I'm saying or not Christian McCaffrey, Brandon, are you better than Devonte Adams? No. Um, Stefan Diggs. No. Uh, Tyreek Hill. No. Deandre Hopkins. At the, I'll still say no, but at his point of career, at this point in his career, would you not rather have Brandon? Ayuk? I think you would. So I'm going to leave that off. I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't necessarily think that Brandon Ayuk is better right now than DeAndre Hopkins, but I think if you were to prop both of them up and ask most teams which one they'd rather have, I think they'd take Ayuk just based on where he is in his career. So we'll keep it at three. Mike Evans, kind of the same question, but I'm still going to go no, because Mike Evans has just been absolutely dominant. Uh, A.J. Brown, no. So I'm at five. Cooper Cup, no, but he's got to stay on the field, but I'm still going no. Justin Jefferson, no. So I'm at seven. Amari Cooper, I'll take Brandon Ayuk right now. I do like Amari Cooper a lot. Julio Jones, no. Keenan Allen's having a hell of a season, but again, that goes back to DeAndre Hopkins. I, I would take Brandon Ayuk right now. Keenan Allen is immensely talented, but at this point of their careers, you would you would take Ayuk. I think I'm still at seven. Terry McLaurin, that's head-to-head to me. I love Terry McLaurin. I'll just keep it. I, I think that's a tie. Um Chris Godwin, no. DK Metcalf, obviously a dynamic playmaker, but it just seems like he's too easily erased. He is. I am. Maybe I'm crazy. I don't want to be crazy, but I'll keep. I'll keep. I'll say no. Uh, Jamar Chase, um, yes. So we're at eight. Michael Thomas, no. CD Lamb, that's close. Uh, we'll say nine. CD Lamb is close. No disrespect. Tyler Lockett. Probably not, not at this point. DJ Moore is close, a very similar playmaker. Odell Beckham, Brandon Cooks, Jalen Waddell, a bit more niche than Brandon Ayuk, a bit more specific. 
Uh, it's close too. Devonta Smith, close as well. You know, so I think this puts Brandon Ayuk. I was at eight. Maybe it puts him somewhere around eight to eight to twelve, eight to maybe a little less. I mean, if you presented me Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, me personally, I would take Brandon Ayuk just from a receiver standpoint. But I'm not trying to throw out any disrespect. I'm not trying to make any crazy claims. I just have a, a lot of respect for Brandon Ayuk's game, and I think he's a uh, he's a, a sharply ascending player. So I that I didn't get into all of them. Uh, did I ever list? Yeah, no, I did list Stephon Diggs. He was first. Um, so that's my take. Uh, it's not crazy. I, uh, maybe Ayuk's uh, somewhere between eight and fifteen, eight and twelve, uh, and I think that's generous. I think that's impressive. Um, the fact that the 49ers have a receiver of that caliber. So we're still on sports Mike's takeaways. CMC MVP. Yep. Defense is sketchy, ton of talent, but not playing aggressive soft coverage and getting eaten alive by short passes. I agree with that. They, they have to find a way to either simplify it, um, tighten it up, intensify it. Something is not quite right. It's like, you know, a good mechanic hearing an engine that's running, it's moving and it, it's putting out horsepower, but something is just not quite right. The timing is just a little off. Defensive line needs to get more sacks. Yes, they do. I think that's fair. Um, Wilkes needs to tighten it up and get pumped with the boys. Okay. Uh, I mean, I agreed with all that, Sports Mike. Too fresh. Victory Monday. It's that time. Player, wrestler, assignments. Brock, the hitman, Purdy. I like it. Straight sharpshooter. He is, man. The dude seems bored sometimes. He just is out there slinging it. Uh, CMC is the bell cow willing to carry the team. He's Mox. I, I agree. Moxley is is underrated. I don't quite, I don't quite love Moxley's like shtick, his personality per se, but the wrestler that he is and the consistency he brings and the willingness to put his body on the line, I think Moxley's a little underrated. All three members of the Shield are just absolute studs. Um, Ayuk is straight magician as a receiver. Ray Phoenix, I like that. I like that. But about the game, still concerned with our corners, as you can see. Uh, other listeners are striking Goldar. Uh, Jeffrey K. Lyles. You know what, Jeffrey K.? I felt bad. I wish I still had it. I wanted to, like, I should have bookmarked it or something. I don't even know how that shit works on X. But Jeffrey K. left his takeaway just, like, right after I recorded. Like, I had just stopped recording. And then Jeffrey K. Lyles Movie Files shows up on my notifications. And I was like, damn it. We didn't get him in there. I was, I was actually disappointed. So shout out to Jeffrey K. He's still in here. He wasn't dissuaded. This legit looks like the best team in the NFL. The NFL is so much fun to watch week in and week out. And it does. It has, the NFL has a decent amount of parity right now in, in wins and losses and good teams still losing games. And it's it's interesting. Um, I think that if anybody doesn't feel like the 49ers are the NFL's best team, you know, this is different than any specific player, any Brock Purdy argument. If they beat the uh, the Cowboys next week, then I think that they're already getting the kind of best team respect. Um, but a, a win next week against the Cowboys would kind of make that even more definitive. Matt Lee says Brock Purdy and CMC are absolute studs. Was scared of our overusing CMC and possibly getting him hurt, but he is such a weapon out there. I agree. We talked about it. Kyle Shanahan has to walk that line. He's got to figure it out because I, I do feel like they need to find a way to rest him. Still would like to see a bit more usage out of a running back too. Uh, just remember that Elijah Mitchell popped up randomly with a knee injury this year which unfortunately is not surprising. That's been Elijah Mitchell's one massive drawback. But as Matt Lee says, can't really complain with another Division W in a, hand, in a hard-fought game. 
Four and zero, baby. Yeah, uh, I'm with I'm with Matt Lee. I think that it's fair to be concerned with CMC's usage and the fact that a running back too hasn't really emerged. Elijah Mitchell was hurt. He did look good uh, last game against the Giants, but we'll see where that goes uh, from there. Last but certainly not not least is my friend Omar Figueroa. Brock Purdy is playing like the next goat. Twenty of twenty one. He does look good. He he does look that good. I think Purdy is currently on pace to throw for like well over 4,000 yards. Um, his touchdown numbers aren't crazy, but he's uh, he's on the move. And he's playing good football, and he's not turning the ball over. All right, I think that's it. We're about to hit an hour. Like, damn. Um, somebody uh, messaged me on Twitter saying like, hey, is it a possibility to get like a rotating weekly guest? Um I'll, I mean, I'm always looking into it, but to be honest with you guys, like there's not that many people out there that I think can hold up to what I feel are like the striking gold vibes, plain and simple. Um, there's a couple that I'm kind of thinking about and working my brain around rotating guests would be cool. The only problem is I, I have a really tight schedule. You guys know that I teach during the day and then I coach football afterwards and I paint Michael Myers masks sometimes and I record this podcast twice a week and it's almost always at like eight to 9 p.m. Um, for example, like I tried to have Guy Haberman on and he said he just can't make evenings happen, which is totally understandable. He's probably a family man. I, I don't know about his, his backstory, but it's tough, you know, when to get people on consistently, but I do need to get a better, do a better job of getting guests on here. Sometimes it's just hard to say, Hey, can you jump on at 8 PM tonight? And they're like, eh, you know what I mean? So that's where I'm at right now, but I will, I promise you, I will try and, uh, try and kick it into gear in terms of rotating guests, guest period, um, and ultimately a, a co-host of the pod. Um, so, oh, just to let you guys know, I know I kind of broke down my Michael Myers backstory a little bit last pod. Um, I went to Halloween 45 convention. I got to meet Nick Castle, the man that played Michael Myers in the original Halloween movie. I got his signature on the inside of, of one of my masks. I also got to deliver my mask that I painted, not my mask, a collector's mask that he had me paint. And it was awesome because I got to see him unbox it in person and he just absolutely loved it. And he sent me all kinds of pictures on Instagram. I heard from people on Instagram that saw the mask at the convention and were like, this is amazing. You know, it it just was really humbling. It was cool. Again, if you want to, it's October, it's Brocktober, it's Doctober, it's it's spooky season. If you want to see that whole side of me, the whole mask stuff, Check out The Shape Studios on Instagram. No spaces, all spelled normal. Um, that's me. Uh, I, I, don't hit me up about painting a mask. I, 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 like I said, I'm in a point now where I'm trying to transition from a massive wait list to kind of doing it when I can because I'm about to have a baby. But um, anyways, I love y'all. Thank you so much for listening to Striking Gold. Thank you for uh, supporting this podcast. If you want to give a little bit more, one, jump on prize kicks, prize picks. Use promo code GOLD, pricepicks.com slash GOLD, promo code GOLD. And two, jump on whatever app you listen to this podcast on. Leave us a five-star review and, uh, you know, write some things in there. Again, if you want to throw in a thought or a question, just like we did with the takeaways in your review, do it. I'll I'll read it in the pod. I I check it. Um, But anyways, uh, like I've always said, you listening is the ultimate form of support. Follow me on Twitter at Rob underscore Louder, L-O-W-D-E-R. I love you guys. But for another episode... Um, I'm Rob, this is Striking Gold, I'm Ron Burgundy, and we are signing out.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.